There is no mind left to guide the bludgeoning behemoth now. No faint reminder of Bruce Banner's rationality or humanity to ameliorate his awesome animal anger. The Hulk is a mindless monster in truth now, and woe betide any who brave his rage. My name is Conrad, along with my co-host Drew, and welcome to the 31st episode of Stranger by the Dozen, the weekly podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, six issues at a time. How's it going this week, Drew? I once again have nailed the opening. I'm going to give myself a handshake. All right. Celebratory. Right on left handshakes, the most awkward of all. (laughs) Man, is it ever. (laughs) So you can find the show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and any fine podcast app. Feel free to contact the show at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com, on Twitter at strangerbythetwelve, at strangerbythe12, on, or on Facebook or Instagram by searching for strangerbythedozen, and on our podcast network site, cradaline.com. So, <laughs> we're diving right in this week. We're basically There's basically uh, three parts to this episode, Drew. The first part is Doctor Strange fighting the Incredible Hulk, and actually all the superheroes in New York also fighting the Incredible Hulk. Which means all of them, really. A huge amount of them. Then, all the superheroes in New York being turned into fantasy D&D guys, and Doctor Strange having to deal with that. Oh, okay. Yeah, in an age undreamed of. And then, it's... Our good buddy, the Black Knight, who's been a statue for the last couple years, coming back to the future and having to deal with his own with uh, future shocks and so forth. Oh man, it's been like what twenty years? Um, I I want to say like ten years. Like he was trapped in stone during the Avengers Defenders War, which I want to say was in, like, 1972 or something. It was right after the Defenders started, pretty much. Let me verify. <laughs> yeah, 1973. So he's been in stone for, like, 12 years, I believe. Which All is right. always fun. But, but let's not get distracted by that. It's time to first go to the Hulk. Yes. With Incredible Hulk 299 from September 1984. Strange days have found us. Bill Mantlo, writer, Sal Buscema, penciler, Gary Talalock, inker, Rick Parker, letterer, Bob Sharon, colorist, Carl Potts, editor, Jim Shooter, chief. Just want to say that I really like covers like this, like the super minimalistic covers. Yeah, it's just like Doctor Strange and the Hulk with uh, like a, a mystic um, barrier between them that the Hulk is quickly des- uh, destroying in front of like a white background. It's really nice looking. I really like yeah. it. No, it's neat. It really tells you that like, hey... It's time for that strange Hulk fight that we've been waiting all these years for. <laughs> <laughs> but so we start with the doc- with um the with the Incredible Hulk basically making his way through the Lincoln Tunnel, smashing his way as he goes. Uh, Shield tries to fight him off, but it's no good. E- you know, basically, uh, there's Gabe Jones, who's been a Shield guy since way back in the day, and then newer member Kate Waynesboro, who has actually been like dating the Hulk sort of on and off recently. She's like sort of is weeping because she loves the Hulk. And apparently now, like re- for the last couple years, I want to say the Hulk has been essentially smart, ha- has been smart Hulk, you know, 
Right. Like, the mind of Bruce Banner has been in the forefront of the Hulk, so he's basically been able to speak in complete sentences and be smart and basically be Bruce Banner, but while he's in Hulk form. But recently, there's been a change, and we soon learn that it's the uh, evil hand of Nightmare, the Lord of the Dark Dimension, who's been messing with the Hulk's mind. He's trapped Bruce Banner away inside the Hulk's, uh, inside the Dream Dimension, and now the Hulk's just full-on rampaging monster. That's super rough. Yeah. You know, S.H.I.E.L.D. tries to take him down with conventional weaponry. They bring out a, uh, a gamma gun. Or they, sorry, a gun that fires an anti-gamma bur- uh, burst that should hopefully depower him. But no, it has no effect. As always, the Hulk is rampaging and no one can stop him. Yeah, man, that's just, yeah. Uh, Kate Waynesboro tries to do the old, um, like, look in my eyes, we love each other, I know you love me. Like, please stop killing everybody. And it's one of those things where if that happened on the last page of the comic, it would work. But it's page 10 no. of this comic. And yeah, so instead, we're just starting out. That's, no. Yeah. So instead, Hulk just grabs her by the head and throws her away. Love dies. I mean, to be fair, that's like the very least of what the Hulk could have done to her. I mean, that's true. But the Hulk is sort of moving around, you know? As we see, his next stop is in Central Park, where he finds this uh, statue that was made of him, like, I think in Hulk, like, 200 or something like that, when he was sort of, when he had regained his uh, intelligence and was sort of cleared of wrongdoing and was basically rehabilitated in the eyes of the world, you know? Yeah. Um, Alicia Masters, who's uh, Ben Grimm, the Thing's blind girlfriend, um... (laughs) sculpted this statue of the Hulk out of pure adamantium. Oh, okay. And Crazy Hulk, or I, I should say Savage Hulk now, who's sees the statue and is really pissed off about it because it's a fake Hulk. So he tries to destroy it, but it's no use because even his mighty strength can't take down adamantium. Um, some park cops on horses come by and, like, basically go for the gusto and try to shoot the Hulk, which doesn't end well. There's a pretty crazy shot of him, like, backhanding this guy on a horse into a fountain, essentially. And well, with one thing and another, uh, Nightmare sort of speaks to Savage Hulk again and points him directly at Doctor Strange in the Sanctum Sanctorum. The Hulk leaps to the front door of the Sanctum and begins, like, hammering on its magical shield as Doctor Strange awakens and dons his cloak of levitation to go talk to the Hulk. It, and Doctor Strange comes out the front door and is pretty dope about it. Like he just kind of stands there as the uh, as the wind whips at his cloak of levitation. Um, Hulk, the Hulk jumps at him and tries to smack him down, but Doctor Strange like holds out a finger and gets the Hulk right in the forehead and sort of stops him. You know, dude. Like Doctor Strange is basically treating this like, what are you doing, man? Knock it yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. Like he says, Hulk will smash magician. That is what you say, Hulk. Though it is not what you truly want. <laughs> he um, pops the third eye out of his uh, amulet of Agamotto and stares deep into the Hulk's mind and finds Nightmare in there, turning the Hulk against him and stuff. So, with the thrill, with the um, with the knowledge of the uh, of Bruce Banner being trapped inside the Hulk's brain, basically, Doctor Strange manages to contact Banner. It's like, there's this weird part, all right? <laughs> he, like, 
So Nightmare has trapped the consciousness of Bruce Banner deep inside the brain of the Hulk. Doctor okay. Strange manages to contact this shard of Bruce Banner's knowledge. Um, and in doing so, he basically... Uh, and so Doctor Strange talks to Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner doesn't want to be the Hulk. He's done. He sort of wants to find a new way to live. He can't be him. He doesn't want to be the Hulk. He can't do, go through the nightmare of being the Hulk again. All right? So basically so, what Bruce Banner always says. Yeah, but he's real, he's real serious about it this time. So in, but basically, so inside like the dream dimension, there's this doorway. Bruce Banner's in it. Doctor Strange convinces Banner that if this is truly the end, that you should give yourself over to the Hulk. Bruce Banner does so and actually becomes the Hulk inside the Nightmare Realm. The problem is that by doing this, by giving up completely to the Hulk, Bruce Banner's psyche has been completely destroyed. Oh, and damn. The, the Hulk, though he's able to defeat Nightmare and banish him from his brain and send Night 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 Nightmare back to the dream dimension, the personality of Bruce Banner is gone, which means that now Hulk is just savage, rampaging, like not even verbal Hulk, basically. He's just a monster. And he's even stronger than ever, and there's no way to, like, oh, we can turn him back to Bruce Banner or something. There's no going back. He's just the Hulk, and he'll be the Hulk forever. Dang. And he's so powerful that even Doctor Strange's most mightiest uh, shielding spell gets ripped away like paper. And in doing so, it knocks Doctor Strange unconscious briefly. And the Hulk bounds off into New York City to threaten the entire uh, urban populace. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, if you like big crazy hulks jumping around, I do. I mean, it's if, just so long as it's Hulk not my reality, you know. Just wrecking stuff. Yeah, which takes us directly to Incredible Hulk 300 from October 1984. Days of Rage. Bill Mantlo's story. Sal Buscema and Gary Talalock art. Art. Jim Novak letterer. Bob Sharon colorist. Carl Potts editor. Jim Shooter chief. So, Sav so I'm just going to call him Savage Hulk, all right? All right, that's fair. He's got no mind. He's just shouting various forms of rah and rawag and so forth. Um, he's jumping around the buildings, ripping off signs, throwing them at people. Everybody's in a mess. A lot of people shouting like, you know, like, hey, I thought the Hulk was a good guy. Like, I never trusted him. He's the big green guy who rips people's heads off. Like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but all of this conflict starts to alert the various heroes of New York City. Um, like, there's a kid who is left behind by, by, by his parents and just sort of lying on the ground. And Daredevil swings by and picks the kid up. As, like, shield bombers come flying in to try to take down the Hulk. But it's no good. He throws a... The Hulk throws a water tower at a shield jet and destroys it. The guys... Um, the, the pilots who fall from its wreckage are saved at the last minute by Spider-Man in his sweet black costume. The, which is, in fact, the alien symbiote uh, costume that'll be Venom one day. But for now, it's just super sweet. Yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Doctor Strange comes to and realizes that he has to do something about Doctor about um, the Incredible Hulk. 
He stands ready to intercede before mankind and the monster destroy each other and sort of springs into action back at the sanctum. Meanwhile, S.H.I.E.L.D. is mobilizing for war. Every time they do something, Hulk just gets stronger and angrier, you know? They, he f falls in a burning building and he just bursts his way out. They shoot him with lasers. He, like, grabs the ground and, like, just rips it up like a carpet and flips everybody everywhere and stuff. It's just a huge maelstrom of ridiculousness, you know? <laughs> um, like, the governor gives the order to evacuate the city because it's time to, like, just level the whole place, you know? <laughs> right. Like the, uh, or, wait, no, I should say, the governor um, evacuates the city, but then also gives a call, but not to the National Guard, as the governor suggests, but, buddy, to a certain mansion in downtown Manhattan. Oh, man. I wonder, I wonder which mansion it is. Uh, you know, like, is Donald Trump home? No, probably the Avengers, I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, as the Avengers start to mobilize, Doctor Strange is in the Sanctum Sanctorum, and he's basically doing a college application for the Hulk. Like he's he's sending out to all these different realities, kind of being like, "Hey, uh, are you interested in a giant, all-powerful, ultra-strong green guy? Because we got one, and we're looking to sell. We got to unload this fast." So. Meanwhile, all the heroes of New York are showing up. Uh, the Human Torch throws some fireballs at the Hulk, and Hulk does the ultra, the uh, super clap and extinguishes the Human Torch's flame. He starts to fall, but is caught by Luke Cage. His Iron Fist approaches and tries to ultra, to, uh, I, to ultra punch the Hulk, but the Hulk catches his Iron Fist before he can do anything and like starts crushing it and stuff. So then Luke Cage has to intercede and body slam, and the Hulk hits him so hard with a uh, spack room that you just see Luke Cage fly through at least one, two, three, four skyscrapers. Dang. <laughs> and, then fall, and then fall down. It's super awesome. <laughs> and at that point, it's only then that the Galdern Avengers show up. Oh, yeah. You know, they have Thor with them. There's an easy way to end this. Just put the hammer down on him mm, we'll see <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if like they're if they had started doing um like molnir based problem solving at this point in the avengers run you know oh okay like that takes i feel like there's some tipping point at some point where they're like oh yeah like no one could pick up the hammer so instead of that just being what makes thor cool as to use that as a way to defeat somebody you know like like in the uh, in the thor movie Mm -hmm. That that's a I feel like that's a fairly recent innovation in Thor powers. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. So we got a pretty small Avengers team at this point. It's um, Thor, as like we said, uh, Star Fox, Scarlet Witch, Captain Marvel, uh, Monica Rambeau, Captain Marvel, and uh, the Vision in sort of um, transparent mode. I believe his body's back running Avengers Mansion. You know? Yeah. So they try to appeal to the Hulk. You know, the Hulk was a founding Avenger, and they try to talk to him about that, but he just can barely remember. You see some ghostly shapes of old-school Avengers members. Uh, Star Fox comes in, and, you know, Star Fox's ability, besides doing a barrel roll, is that he can stimulate the uh, pleasure centers of people's minds and, like, make them feel good, basically. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, man. Star Fox is a weird character. 
he's Thanos's brother, you know. Okay, it's true. Uh, but so he tries to make he tries to take down um, Hulk by overwhelming his anger with waves of pleasure. Uh, oh, it goes real bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. You know, Hulk smashes Scarlet uh, uh, Star Fox. He just kind of goes flying, like barely caught by Thor. Um, Thor's electricity and um, some Scarlet Witch hex bolts tries to get him uh, wet and electrocute him. Gives him the shock of his life, which, you know, messes him up. It doesn't really stop him. Captain Marvel tries to fly through him as gamma radiation. But even that, but that just... Um, Makes the Hulk even more powerful, basically. Why, why would no like? Oh, clearly this the problem. This gamma radiation problem. Well, the solution to this gamma radiation radiation problem is more gamma radiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives him some brief memories of him being a um destroy um of Bruce Banner being hit by the gamma bomb like back in the '60s, but not much else. Uh, wasp tries to zap him in the face with her wasp sting, but it don't do nothing. It just irritates him. <sighs> Um, the vision vision tries to become becomes hard as diamond and tries to wrestle with the Hulk and Hulk just hits di- uh, hits vision on the top of his head so hard that he flies that he goes like twenty feet straight down like a by uh, like a stake being driven into the ground. <laughs> and once that's taken care of, Thor's like, all right, all right, Hulk, it's time for a Th- Hulk Thor throwdown. Let's go. And the two of them basically fight in such a way that it's like endangering the city as their mighty blows just send rubble and destruction everywhere, like huge lightning strikes coming down from the sky and stuff. Dude, dude, that's how Thor fights, man. I mean, it's super awesome. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, meanwhile, again, Doctor Strange is sort of doing, uh, it's sort of getting home visits from coaches for. <laughs> For the Hulk. <laughs> like, all this part just reminds me of, like, a parent, like, trying to find a good a good college for his kid. <laughs> because first he looked at, like, what different directions looked um, looked like, you know, what, this, what the visual aspects of different dimensions were. Now there's a bunch of, like, demon lords of various dimensions being like, yes, send the Hulk to us. Let him reside in our dimensional plane. He'll never see the Earth again. And Doctor Strange just looks very annoyed. Like I know what you guys want. You guys are jerks. Nah, should... man, we're not. No, I'm not gonna let you use the Hulk like that. Get out of here. Like at best, they think they'll kill and eat the Hulk. And he's like, I should probably just send him to you and see what you get because he's super powerful and he's not afraid of nothing. <laughs> so eventually, we just see Doctor Strange like flipping through the different dimensions, like pages of an interdimensional direct uh, phone directory. Yeah, man, it's the dimensional Rolodex. It's crazy. It's really neat. It's just like all these big... It's like this like stack of like coasters, but each coaster is a different dimension, basically. That's how it looks on the page. Meanwhile, as Doctor Strange is like, I gotta figure something out because like I'm in Greenwich Village and those guys are in Times Square and I can really hear the sounds of their battle and that doesn't sound good. Like... It's just full on rubble as like the Hulk in is hitting Thor with a car and Th- Thor's just sort of chomping pieces of the car up with his hammer and stuff. It's super cool. <laughs> Dude, it, it's always a good fight when Thor and Hulk fight. Yeah, man. So Hulk goes flying all the way to Central Park 
He lands at the base of his Admantium statue, and then he starts whomping Thor with it. (laughs) (laughs) So he's, like, taking out Thor with this symbol of the Hulk's rehabilitation. Eventually. That feels symbolic somehow. I mean, it's something. It's definitely something. Thor's hammer hits the thing, and it makes a brang like a mighty bell. (laughs) Or enormous gong, I suppose. So eventually Doctor Strange shows up at this fight. The uh, the Savage Hulk sh- uh, jumps at him, and as he does, Doctor Strange says, Many were the worlds I thought as su- I sought as suitable habitats for you, Hulk, and many were the worlds I found. But I am not amni- omniscient. I could not know whether my choice would ever be the correct one. And so instead, he sentences Hulk to the crossroads of reality. A, uh, a mystic spot sort of in between a whole bunch of different realities. We'll see it a little bit later, but eventually, but basically the Hulk's consigned here. He'll go to different, he can go to different realities and sort of see what's going on in there, but eventually he'll be returned to this central crossroads. And for now, at least, the Hulk is banished off the central Marvel continuity. Dang. Yeah, I mean, you know, production of Incredible Hulk comic books don't stop, like, you know, Right, he's, next, he's off having like intergalactic adventures and stuff. Yeah, I mean, next month is, incre- you know, in, in November 1984, it's um, Incredible Hulk 301, and he's in the crossroads of reality. Kind of, He's got to figure it out. But, you know, we'll see next episode, basically. Right. For now, that's where we leave the Hulk. He kind of went crazy. He had a huge fight with all the superheroes of New York City, and now he's banished. It's pretty sweet, frankly. I mean, if you ask me. <laughs> But Drew, let's move on to the to the second part of our of our episode tonight, the X-Men stuff. Oh, it's cool. We start with uh, Uncanny X-Men number 190 from February 1985. An age undreamed of. Chris Claremont writer, John Romita Jr. and Dan Green artists, Glynis Wine colorist, Tom Orzakowski letterer and Nascenti editor, Jim Shooter chief. So like this is a crazy pair of comics, and I actually really want to recommend a different podcast um, from uh, the podcast Jay and Miles Explain the X Men. Mm. They have a, a, an episode. Their episode uh, thirty-four, Mordecai's Marvelous Mutants, also covers these issues, and they can do a lot more for sort of the background of what brings us to this char- to this uh, set of stories and who all these mutants. And other people are involved with it that, than I ever could, just because they know a lot about the stuff, and it's an X Men comic, and it's an X Men podcast about X Men things, as opposed to my Doctor Strange podcast about Doctor Strange things. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I get you. But so here's like, I'm gonna give you the cliff notes here, Drew. All right. So in a Marvel team up, like maybe a couple years ago, uh, Spider Man ran afoul of a god from the Marvel Conan. Um, series called Kulan Gath. Right. And, you know, made an enemy of Kulan Gath. That's how it goes. This is different from the time in the Marvel team with Doctor Strange where um, Spider-Man fought those serpent guys and then went back in time with uh, Cole, with King Cole. Okay. I don't know if so you were on that episode, okay. but that was a different yeah, right. one. That, that, that was right, a different right. set of Conan guys. Okay. <laughs> but so, apparently a necklace or amulet type thing that contained Kulan Gath's consciousness has survived from, like, the Hyborian Age to modern times and was found inside a fish by this guy named Jamie Rodriguez. 
Oh, okay. Um, at the the fish talked and said like, "Hey, like I can give you great power." And in a rare um, in in a rare feat of someone actually acting like a like a reasonable person, instead of being charmed by this. Uh, Jerry was like, I don't know what to do with this. This seems bad. I'm going to just put this thing in my locker and try not to uh, think about it too much. Yeah, man. Like, okay. A a fish offering you wishes for ultimate power and stuff, that never ends well. Yeah. Especially when it's very super, like, you know, when its voice is obviously super evil, you know? (laughs) Right. But so, while carrying the necklace in his, like, jacket pocket, um... Jamie was killed by a mugger kind of guy. Oh, man. He was stabbed in the back at a subway stop. And the mugger guy going through his pockets finds the uh, necklace. And the necklace, like, screams, like, At last I am free! I have the power! You know? (laughs) And it takes us directly to Uncanny X-Men number 190, where we are right now. So basically, um... And we sort of fig- and we sort of learned this through an a, uh, intelligence briefing by Val Coop by a uh, Shield agent Val Cooper at um, the White House. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all of New York is now surrounded by an energy field. Okay, that that seems normal. Um, inside the energy field, and we can see this right in the fir- in the first page. There's this really awesome splash of just the island of Manhattan that's full of like forests and crazy Conan buildings and other things like that. Okay. The entire city has been... Basically, everything inside the force field has been under the spell of Kool and Gath. And because of that... Like, Val Cooper says it's it's uh, it's tr- it's regressed to a barbarian state and translated to its equivalent um, historical analog, which seems weird. But basically, like... So... <laughs> all the skyscrapers are now big Conan buildings. Like, they sort of have a have a have this... I want to say, like, Middle Eastern-inspired kind of architecture, you know? There's a lot of domes and spires Yeah, exa- exactly. And, like, so you send, like, some soldiers in, and their fatigues get turned into, like, tunics, and, sh- and their weapons turn into swords and shields and stuff, and you immediately, once you're in there, forget, like, who you are and why you're there, and, um... You just become basically. You just turn into a D and D guy, essentially, with D and D motivations and stuff. Okay. Like, I'm a mighty adventurer, or I work for this evil, um, this you know, for Kool and Gath, the evil root, the the evil um ruler of this land and stuff. The only guy who isn't um transported, in the, who who isn't changed in this way, as we'll see, is Spider Man, and that's basically because Kool and Gath is just messing with spider-man so he's left him contemporary and speaking english so he can't communicate with everybody and he looks really out of place uh-huh. he's a jerk so all right <laughs> I, I have a question that you might not be able to answer okay hit me so I'm, I'm looking at this 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 image of the city surrounded by this energy field yes why not just fly over it my understanding is that even if you flew over it, you'd be suddenly riding some sort of like, you know, I don't know, like Leonardo da Vinci type um, flying machine or something. Huh. <laughs> and okay. you just wouldn't do it. It's it's not in bound. I don't know. It's not done. That's what it seems like. All right. But that's the setup. Basically, you know, last issue, it was all New York. This issue, it's, um, you know, Hyboria. Okay, sure. And everybody's right. ready to go with Hyboria and stuff. So, inside the zone, 
uh, Storm wakes up, and it's Punk Storm, which is pretty awesome. But she awakens to find Callisto, who was once Queen of the Morlocks, and they're sort of the two of them have a relationship that's very like famous for this one big knife fight they had in the sewers of New York for the fate of of, of uh, Angel. Mm-hmm. And so they sort of reprise this fight in the rigging of a ship, jumping around, knife play, all kinds of craziness. Knife fights on ships are pretty cool. Yeah, the two of them go flying off the ship and into the water, and they sort of drift out of bounds of the um, of the force field and revert to modern um, Storm and Callisto and sort of swim their way to a, a nearby Navy destroyer, essentially. Like, oh, I guess one more thing to know, Drew? Yes. In this continuity is that um, at this point, Storm has lost her mutant powers. She's just a lady with a mohawk. Oh. Okay. Which just, FYI, if you're wondering why they went in the water, she doesn't start, like, flying or picking up power. She's depowered at the moment. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we cut to Kulan Gath, where he is magically merging. We're sort of laughing at Doctor Strange and merging uh, Caliban and Professor X into one super gross um, hybrid mutant. Yeah, it looks really weird. He's got like a he's got the Caliban face on his stomach, and then the Professor X, and sort of a Caliban body with the Professor X head. Yeah. And then we see that uh, Doctor Strange himself is turned into a crazy squid man. Like he has mm. no he has no mouth, and his fingers are all long and gross. Hmm. And it's just it's just real bad times. Yeah, no kidding. But so basically, this Caliban X Men or Caliban Professor X hybrid is designed to find other mutants so that um, Kulan Gath can convert them into his, like, slave army. We see him doing it at first with a couple members of the New Mutants, where he, um, like, turns Wolfsbane into a werewolf and then sort of forces the rest of the team to start working for him. And only, um, only Warlock is able to actually, like, uh, you know, return to his techno-organic form and then escape, sort of, as he's sort of strangely affected by this new, you know, magical rule of Kulan Gath, basically. And there's just like, man, there's a lot going on here, and it's hard to explain. I don't know. <laughs> because it's all these, ca- like, the fun thing about this setup is you kind of have to know who these characters are, you know? So, like, after this, like, Celine shows up, who's this powerful kind of, like, psychic wizard lady. Uh-huh. Who's sort of all powerful and time traveling and stuff, and sort of says like, "Oh, like Kulan Gath, you think you're tough, but I'm gonna like pick up, I'm gonna pick up like some some random kids off the street who just happen to be uh, magma and um, and Rachel Summers, and then the two of us are going to like you know fight back or something. I don't know. Like it's hard to explain if you don't kind of like know who these characters are going in, which is tough. Well, I mean they're like. B-tier X-Men? Well, like, I mean, these guys are pretty... These are the main X-Men at the time. Like, it's X-Men... It's X-Men and New Mutants that are, like, we're seeing here, you know? Like, the X-Men team is super small at the moment. Um, Like, I think it's just, like, Colossus, Nightcrawler, and Rogue, or or Rogue and Storm, and Storm just left the team because she's depowered, you know? Like... Wolverine and Shadowcat are currently in Japan doing the Wolverine Shadowcat miniseries. And this is before the days where, where Wolverine's and everything just because that becomes his mutant powers in like, you know, in around 1995 or something like that. Right. Like at this point, if you're in a miniseries in one place, you can't be 
in the main story elsewhere. The same thing sort of happened during the Hulk story, where Nick Fury wasn't around because where Nick Fury wasn't around because he was involved in like a Nick Fury miniseries, essentially. But so I don't know. Uh, so yeah, Selena enlists uh, Princess Amara, Princess Amara, and Rachel Summers into um, into like her fight against Cool and Gath. And we see back in the real world, like Storm and Callisto kind of preparing to re-enter the reality of Cool and Gath to sort of like help their friends and stuff. And finally, Spider-Man on the run from the New Mutants finds himself in a tavern where you always have to be when it's a fantasy setting. And then he start, and then a big old fight breaks out between like the New Mutant guys and then a bunch of Avengers who happen to be drinking in that um in that tavern at the same time you know you get yeah man dude the taverns that's where adventures start come on of, of course man we get sweet uh fantasy captain america and colossus and nightcrawler and stuff we see fantasy rogue who's like made out of green gems for some reason uh fantasy magic is like hitting people with swords and d and like de-eviling them which is pretty cool like she's got the like her uh, soul magic is a soul sword. She sorry, Ilyana Ras, Rasputin is uh, Colossus's sister, and she's got a magic sword called the Soul Sword. She sort of earned it when she was in limbo when she learned magical abilities and stuff. <laughs> it's so in the middle of things with this, it's hard to like get into it. I don't know, but so basic. But basically, basically, buddy. Right, right. What happens is. At the end of the bar fight, everyone kind of agrees, like, hey, we gotta take down this Kool-Aid Gath guy, he's a jerk. Let's all team up. Captain America gives a speech about, you know, him dedicating his life against evil, even in this fantasy world, apparently. So, let the world, let the word go forth, Avengers assemble. It's pretty sweet. And we get ready to go to, to take the fight to Kool-Aid Gath. <laughs> which we do in Uncanny X-Men 191 from... March 1985, Raiders of the Lost Temple. Chris Claremont, writer, J- John Romita Jr. and Dan Green, artist, Glynis Wine, colorist, Tom Orzakowski, letterer, and Nisenti, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. Dude, Spider-Man looks like he's having a bad day. Man, Spider-Man's literally crucified a couple in a couple different ways in the course of this issue. <laughs> Which is crazy, but in the the opening thing, yeah, he's like his legs, his, his arms, and legs being pulled in different directions. His costume's really like like fifty percent on. He's just covered in blood. As a bunch of like new mutants and Avengers sort of look on at him and laugh and make fun of him, essentially. That's really messed up. It's tough times. Yeah. Um. So, you know, Kulan Gath is sort of talking about how his master's spell has allowed him to create this new world with um, crazy Conan things. You know, Doctor Strange can't help because he's all squiddy. Neither can Selene, who's also a powerful wizard, but can't help because she's got uh, also no mouth and, like, full-on squid tentacle arms, which I feel like her Dude, picture is- here her picture here launched a thousand fetishes, I think. I think so, yeah. What is it with this guy like making sorcerers without mouths and all squiddy? Well, it it prevents them from casting spells, right? Like they can't say incantations or make hand movements because they just have squid arms (laughs) and squid. Sure, you know. Okay, but surely, surely there's a less um, kinky way to do it. I guess is my my feeling. (laughs) 
I have a feeling that there's an artist at Marvel who's like, yeah. John Romita Jr.? I don't want to cast aspersions, but it seems possible. Uh, I'm just, I'm calling it like I see it. Either him or Chris Claremont has a squid thing. I think that seems pretty clear. Yeah. But so, at this point, it's basically sort of half the Avengers and the X-Men versus the other half of the Avengers and the New Mutants in sort of the attack on Cool and Gath's temple. Um, it's like a pretty pitched battle. Like, characters start, like, because it's an alternate reality, it means people can start dying, and it's not really a big deal, basically. Oh, <laughs> like, dang. Like, like, Rogue dies, and Storm goes crazy, and, like, merges with Warlock to have, like, techno, be, to get a techno-organic, um, like, hang glider. <laughs> um, um, there's just a bunch of, like, guys running in, various people die, it's pretty awesome. Like, we'll, like uh, a couple guys get, like, um, get turned back by Magic Sword, but, like, Vision jams his hands through Colossus's body and then becomes solid, and the two of them, like, explode. Uh, Spider-Man, secondarily crucified on a big wooden tee, like, rips his arms and feet off the crucifixion and then tries to take down Kool and Gath, and Kool and Gath just, like, snuffs him out like a candle, basically. Jeez. Like... Celine, it turns out, was like running a double cross, but then before she can do anything, like Warlock both kills, both sort of technologically takes over Storm and kills her, and then also takes technologically, like techno organic virus takes over Celine and kills her. He's killing like multiple people techno organically. <laughs> the good thing is that as she does that, Celine's able to destroy Kool and Gath. Which is pretty sweet, you know, and leads to all the and basically ends the ends the menace, which is nice. <laughs> okay. There's tons of death. Cool and Gath's necklace is snatched away by Celine, and then Celine gets killed by Warlock techno organically, <laughs> which has the benefits of hey, uh, what call it, de-squidding Doctor Strange. <laughs> okay. And Doctor Strange in Man, like, Chris Claremont's really going full power, Doctor Strange. Like, as soon as he's able to cast spells, it's just like that. Everything's fixed. Wow. (laughs) Wow, wow, wow. He says he does... And and they talk about this on um, on Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men, so this is not an original uh, uh, observation. But he says he does a uh, temporal-spatial cloudication, which, like, is a misused word because cloudication means a pain in your leg. So that's definitely, like, not what he did. Like, maybe he means, like, cauterization or something. But this is just a random, uh, cool-sounding medical word that's been used as the as a, uh, as a spell. Okay. But anyhow, we basically immediately go from, like, Storm and Selene being taken over by techno-organic virus to Doctor Strange being okay to Doctor Strange fixing everything. And, you know, it's the usual Doctor Strange fixes the world kind of situation where right. no one remembers that it ever happened. Yeah, because he, oh, I guess he didn't really have to mind wipe anyone for this. Yeah, he kind of turned it off, and then everybody was sort of back where they went. But luckily, a bunch of people in the room there will remember it, which is good. So, right. so like Cap and and Professor X. Yes, yeah, so like most of the, it's so like you know, the X Men basically remember. Like we see Professor X and Storm and a couple other um, X Men X Men guys there, but also Captain America. And Captain America is like you know, I'll remember it, and that means something, you know. Whatever you say, Cap. Whatever you say, Cap. 
I mean, it's sort of undone by the fact that I think the first official like um, X Men vs Avengers miniseries starts in like six months. Oh dang! <laughs> so so all the good it does them. The other big thing that happens is that uh, so Doctor Strange has changed the past so that it means that uh, Jamie Jamie isn't killed by the mugger guy. Uh, instead, as the but instead something else has happened in history. In this case, as the mugger goes to kill Jamie, this um, robot sentinel from the future, uh, Nimrod shows up. <laughs> He's named Nimrod. He's a big white robot. <laughs> All right. I, don't know, I don't know what to tell you. He blasts the uh, mugger guy in the back, and the necklace sort of falls into the muck beside the uh, rail line in the New York City subway, and just kind of disappears forever. We'll never be seen again. Eh. <laughs> never be seen again. You're certainly, you're certainly possibly right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. It's it's more like it seems like it'll be seen again in like 1994, but oh, that's, that's that's pretty far away from now, I think. It's and, like I don't know, yeah. a while. And meanwhile, hearing news reports or something about mutants being uncool, uh, Nimrod, the future Sentinel guy, decides to kill all the uh, to kill all the mutants, which will have lasting effects in the X Men universe. But that's not our problem. Whatever, we like the eighth time the mut- all the mutants got killed anyway, so whatever. It's fine. <laughs> you know, they have their ups and downs, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but let's go to the third part of our episode this week, Drew. Yes. With Doctor Strange 68 from yes. December 1984. Sword and Sorcery. Roger Stern writer, Paul Smith artist, Terry Austin inker, Jim Novak letterer, Bob Sharon colorist, Carl Potts editor, Jim Shooter Lord of the Realm. Talking hey, so a big Drew, game there, Jim. Talking a big game. Hey, man, he's the editor of all this stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, Drew, you remember the Black Knight. We talked about him a little earlier. Jane Whitman? Yeah. Physicist. Dude stuck in stone in the past. Yeah. Yada, yada, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. He's in the Crusades for a long time, fighting guys, etc. Yeah. Hey, do you remember Victoria Bentley? Vaguely. Is like she that one lady who was in England that... Exactly. Yeah, she's a lady in England that Doctor Strange occasionally show, uh, occasionally like gets in trouble and flirts with a little bit. Right. It was during that one thing where Doctor Strange destroyed a house. Yes, that's exactly and then, true. And then he killed a planet. I remember that. Yeah. No, that was a good period. That was um. Oh, that was when we first fought um. What's his name? Shumagorath. Yeah. <laughs> so this time, Victoria Bentley's called Doctor Strange in. Because the Black Knight is back alive, good times, human in the future, human in the present. But he's got a lot of problems. He seems kind of cur- kind of erratic and stuff. And she needs um, Doctor Strange to kind of help before he gets too crazy, essentially. Hmm. Um, Doctor Strange shows, you know, he arrives and sort of says hi and stuff. He, the first sort of business is to go down to the stables where um, the Black Knight's horse. <laughs> Um, whose name I forget? Uh, Valinor, who's like a like as opposed to his previous horse, Aragorn, which was a, a Pegasus. Val- Valinor's got like bat wings. Right? Didn't didn't uh, Valkyrie take off with uh, Aragorn? Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. No. For a while, he uh, she had both his sword and his horse. But then when they right. went back in time, she gave him back the horse, and so he. 
but or she gave him back the sword and he kept the horse so he had to pick up another horse another uh pegasus this one or and also one named after uh lord of the rings stuff so this one's named after like a locate uh, an area of middle earth valinor <sighs> but so valinor's real sick uh, the vet's been called, and the vet doesn't know what to do, because, oh, I'm just a simple country vet. I don't know what to do with no bat-wing Pegasus. Yeah, um, this is a crazy, this is a crazy-looking horse, man. If I was, like, a, a veterinarian, I'd look at this thing and go, like, nah, um, no, yeah. no, no, no. Exactly, that's why you call a, a, a more proper veterinarian, Dr. Strange. Okay, hold up, dude, he's not a veterinarian, he's a surgeon, just... Man, he went to medical school, and people and people and horses aren't that different. Uh, you know what? I'm just gonna leave that one alone. I'm not even gonna bother. Nope. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got basically all the same parts a horse does, right? You got feet. You got like hooves and stuff. <laughs> you I, got... Do you have hooves? I don't have hooves. I've seen your lovely mane as we uh w- a- 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 as we hang out now and then. Oh, Wait, is that man. what you call what a horse has? Uh. I don't forget what you... Okay, never mind. Moving on. (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. This is getting weird. He does know magic stuff, and he knows that the magic that made Valinor be a Batwing Pegasus in uh, Avalon times when he was hanging out with... When the Black Knight was hanging out, like, working for Merlin and stuff, don't work... Those same magics don't work in the 20th century. And so Doctor Strange magics Valinor up and tor- turns him back into a regular old horse, much to the disappointment of Dane Whitman, the Black Knight. He like almost draws his sword to take Doctor Strange out when the vet uh, donks him across the back of the head with a shovel, which is pretty awesome. It's more of a dunk rather than a donk. Dunk. <laughs> hey, and we dunk is be- definitely the sound out picture of like. A shovel hitting somebody in the back of the head. That's the sound I imagine that would make. Yeah, and you gotta be careful in Doctor Strange comics, as we learned last episode, we're now dealing with concussion rules in the Doctor Strange uh, continuity. But so Doctor Strange does a magic scan of the Black Knight, kind of sees that he's got some curses lying on him, basically. Um, Doctor Strange puts the Black Knight into a mystic brazier and contacts... Uh, Sir Percy, the original Black Knight, like back when the Black Knight was a story about a superhero in Camelot, basically, like a guy who sort of has a secret identity and then be- puts on the Black Knight armor to kind of thwart bad guys and stuff. Mm-hmm. He summons uh, Sir Percy, and Doctor Strange is like, what's up? And Sir Percy's like, hey, if he's going crazy, then he's probably cursed by stuff. you got to decurse him. <laughs> and Doctor Strange is like, good point. But as he does... Uh, the current Black Knight, Dane Whitman, appears behind him with a knife to Victoria Bentley's throat. Um, and Doctor Strange is like, hey, like, be cool, buddy. I'll give you back your sword. Or like, he, D- Dane Whitman's like, give me back my sword. Doctor Strange is like, be cool. I'll do it. Just like, let's send Victoria somewhere safe. And then as he gives uh, Whitman the sword, the two of them trans- are transported into an astral realm where they do some awesome uh, hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> Like the Black Knight with his sword, Doctor Strange with like a a fire staff and stuff. I'm just gonna say that Doctor Strange probably has the upper hand here. Throwing that out there. Uh, staff versus sword. You say staff win- uh, fire staff wins. No, I'm just saying that in the in the astral plane, Doctor Strange mm. has the advantage. Certainly possible. You'd think so until the unspeakable Umar, who has apparently been watching Doctor Strange recently because she thinks he's involved in Clea's rebellion against her in the dark dimension. Like, she's watching all this on Magic TV and basically decides to interfere in the fight. 
Ah, dip. Yeah, it's bad times when Umar shows up, man. Yeah. This forces Doctor Strange to take a more direct approach. He, like, throws Dane Whitman through the uh, fangs of Farala, which is this gate that's, like, made out of a big mouth and stuff. And Whitman goes flying into this realm where, like, he's attacked by dark spirits and, like, the Avengers call him a punk and then the Defenders show up and call him a buster. And it's just basically (laughs) bad times. He sort of, like, learns that things are going bad and agrees eventually to let Doctor Strange de-curse the Black Sword. Which, hey, it works! All right! Yay! (laughs) Yeah, it frees Sir Percy's soul from inside the blade shatters the uh, the brazier of truth that they were using and the, while the blade remains a sweet uh, magic sword uh Dane Whitman's freed from his various curses for now according uh, assuming he, he doesn't accumulate any more any more curses which is possible he's sort of in the curse business i mean the likelihood is extremely high <laughs> it's definitely true so we go quickly to doctor strange 69 from february 1985 Sea uh, Cruise, Roger Stern writer, Paul Smith artist, Ken Bruzenak letterer, Bob Sharon colorist, Carl Potts editor, Jim Shooter cruise director. So who's the uh, who's the bartender? Just uh, just asking. I think it's still Isaac. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you got. It. <laughs> so apparently, uh, Doctor Strange and Dane Whitman have decided to go on a lovely cruise to help him get back into shape to rejoin the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know the black knight's just kind of running around the decks of the ship with like weights in his hands and wearing short shorts and a headband and stuff you know standard workout material uh, sure i mean there there are better ways of getting back in shape but i guess maybe not in a- ship i don't know i don't know what like personal training was like in 1985 i don't know if i can if i can agree with that with my whole heart honestly <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, everything is going cool until the ship's attacked by a, fr- a freaking sea monster. Oh, man. <laughs> which um, Doctor Strange manages to handily defeat, which is good times. Ah, uh, but it turns out that it was sent against him by Umar, who's now being just a super jerk to Doctor Strange because she thinks he's really involved with the Resistance. We I'm see her sure. sort of... Oh, good. I'm pretty sure if Doctor Strange was involved with the Resistance, he'd probably have more of a heavy hand in the whole situation. You'd think so, but, you know, maybe he's just letting this proxy war be run before he sort of lowers the boom later on. I mean, uh-huh. that's that's actually what happens, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, so after this, we sort of cut to Umar, Umar's throne room where, where Orni, who we'll recall, is um, Clea's dad and also Umar's like major domo basically like brings forth some prisoners some resistance guys and and umar's like ah look you see the leader of your rebellion is um being killed by this sea monster like aren't you guys um upset about this and they're like no man we don't care about dr strange <laughs> whatever he, dude has nothing to do with this what are you doing come on get out of here man so um umar's like fine whatever if you guys aren't gonna be sad at that then you can just be tossed to the uh to the to the mindless ones. And they're like, no, don't throw us to the mindless ones, man. That's no good. <laughs> and we sort of cliffhanger there and cut back to Doctor Strange um, in the Sanctum Sanctorum, or his astral form in the Sanctum Sanctorum, I suppose. He sort of reflects on what's going on with that sea monster. We see a quick flash of, uh, do you remember last episode, there were those alternate dimension dudes that were trying to attack Earth and Doctor Strange stopped them? Yeah. 
we see we sort of see them like in the orb of Agamotto, sort of doing some planning or whatever. Mm. And um, Doctor Strange sort of tries to scan to see who sent that sea monster after him, and finds the dark dimension clouded from his vision. Sort of flies through the sanctum, um, updates us on the Wong Sarah Wolf romance, or it's now sort of stony silence because Wong refused to go on a date with her. Dude, Wong, what are you doing, man? You know, he's trying to be devoted. You know, he's he's not he's not maintaining a good work-life balance, is what I'd say. Clearly. <laughs> so, Strange returns to his body on the cruise ship. He does a uh, medical exam of Dane Whitman, who apparently doesn't have to worry about uh, a concussion from being hit in the head by a shovel because he's made of stronger stuff. And, I'm, oh, good. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know taking a shovel to the head would pretty much guarantee a concussion. Just saying. Oh, no, man. It comes from a, a family of strong noggins. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, the two of them are invited to the captain's table that evening for dinner. Ooh. Ooh. And there's, like, attempted sparks between the ship's doctor and Doctor Strange, but Strange is like, whatever. At the edge of the dark dimension at the entrance to the realm of the Nameless Ones... The rebel guys like do some judo and they pull Orny through the gate into the realm of the of the uh, of the mindless ones, and then sort of carry him through to the rebel base. Because what we call it, the rebel base, like Clea's rebel base, is actually inside the um the realm of the mindless ones. So these guys, so these rebel guys, when they were going crazy about not being thrown to them, were doing one of those uh, Brer Rabbit like don't throw me in the in the briar patch kind of things, you know. Right. Like, they act like it's a big deal, when actually it's what they want to be doing, because they're super cool. And we see Orny, Clea's dad, wake up, and um, Clea be like, Hello, father, we have much to talk about. Dun-dun-dun. That's, that's, that's never a good thing. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the captain's table, uh, Doctor Strange sees Clea in his uh, coffee cup. That, and Cl- that must be some heck of a coffee. <laughs> it's magically powered, buddy. Best part of waking up. <laughs> Is a Clea in your cup? <laughs> she, she lets Doctor Strange in on the fact that Umar thinks she's involved in the rebellion and to be uh, and to be on the lookout. Meanwhile, there's a big storm going on at the uh, around the ship, and Doctor Strange does my favorite move, where he goes out on the deck of the ship and kind of shouts up at the sky, like Umar, I know you can hear me. If you want to fight, here I am. And Umar summons is like, oh, okay, buddy. <laughs> How about a whole crap load of water elementals for you to deal with? And, oh, now they're going to start killing everybody on the ship, so screw you. Oh, no. We sort of see these water... They're basically, you know, beings made out of water sort of sloshing around. We see them, like, flying down to, like, the the dining area of the ship, and there's guys, like, just standing there inside the water elemental being uh, drowned, and it's pretty sweet. Doctor Strange is magicing them. The Black Knight shows up, just sort of in his uh, fancy dinner clothes, but with, like, the Black Knight helmet and uh, his sword and starts fighting the water elementals. <laughs> it's, a, Wait, it's a look. I think it's really cool. Like, Yeah, man. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, like, partially dressed superheroes. Like, if Spider-Man just kind of wears street clothes, but, like, also, like, the mask or something like that. Like, I don't think it's an everyday superhero look, but I think it's a neat thing just to kind of show, like, yes, I'm a superhero, but I also had to jump into action, you know? Oh, God. Uh, the Incredible Bagman. That's what it is. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, that might not... That, yeah, where he wears the paper bag over his head. I'm yeah. not that into that. But, 
But anyhow, you know, Doctor Strange and the Black Knight, they're able to uh, take these water elementals down pretty easily. Of course, Doctor Strange wipes everybody's brains, but him and the uh, Black Knights. And after Dane, after Dane wishes Stephen a, a, a good night, uh, Doctor Strange thinks to himself on the ship and basically says, Hey, Umar, like you want a war? Baby, you've got one. Oh, gonna bring the thunder. Yeah, and so now it's almost time for Doctor Strange to get involved in the war between Clea and Umar for control of the Dark Dimension. And that's the issues for this week. What do you think? What do you think, Drew? Uh, pretty good. A little weird, but pretty good. Yeah, I thought there was some really cool stuff, like just the uh, the Hulk rampaging through New York is really neat. I mean, okay, anytime the Hulk and Thor fight, I'm a big fan of that for sure. Um, you know, the X-Men stuff I thought was really cool. Like, Doctor Strange isn't, isn't, isn't in it that much. Um, and it's so much, like, sort of, hey, you have to kind of be in the middle of X-Men to kind of figure out what's going on and know who these people are. That sort of hurts it for our purposes. But I think it's a really neat story in general, so I wanted to include it in the podcast. Right. Um, and then these solo Doctor Stranges are pretty fun, just with the, there's some Black Knight, you know, all the Black Knight stuff is really neat. Or I think, or maybe not, all the Black Knight stuff is really interesting. Just sort of this character rehabilitating and sort of overcoming some of his like previous um, problems. And then I'm super excited for um, a Doctor Strange Umar um, rematch. You know, the two of them haven't really gone toe to toe since like the '70s, I think. And it's very exciting to see a, a fight for the Dark Dimension and stuff. Yeah, man, it's gonna be good. And I've missed Clea, you know, like they sort of broke up like maybe 10 ish, 10 Doctor Strange issues ago and a bunch of uh, podcast episodes ago. Right. So it'll be neat to see her again. And it's sure to be super awkward as these former um, former lovers have to team up to fight this greater evil, you know. Right. And that's all happening soon. So if you'd like to contact the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook and Instagram at strangerbythedozen. Find us on Twitter at strangerbythedozen and on our podcast network site at cradeline.com. During the week, I'll post a bunch of images and quotes from these issues. So keep an eye out. Dr. Strange is on I... Or... Blah. Stranger by the Dozen is on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and any other podcatching app. Tune in next week as we join the mindless Hulk in the crossroads of reality, help those jerks in the Fantastic Four fight some demons, and then we'll mash those two things together as the Hulk and the Thing have a knockdown dragout showdown. Nice. <laughs> yeah. All that and a lesson and an extra-dimensional lesson in atomic war. FYI, it's bad. Next week on Stranger by the Dozen. Until then, faithful listener, I say. Umar is goading me into a war of nerves, putting the lives of innocent mortals in peril. And all of this madness has been to disrupt the rebellion she thinks I have engineered against her. Very well, Umar. As you, th- as you think me to be part of this rebel underground, I will fulfill your warped imaginings. I shall answer your challenges by bringing war directly back to you. My name is Conrad, and for my co-host, Drew, this is Stranger by the Dozen. May the Vishanti guide your path.